0: hey there everybody and welcome to the biathlon podcast it is wednesday the 16th of march and i am your host will prov season almost drawing to an end we've got our last weekend of action over in oslo coming up with sprints, pursuits and mass starts. I was going to be looking at all of the runners and riders there, but we've had some news in the world of biathlon, with not one but two more athletes announcing their retirement from the sport. One may be expected, Dominic Vindish calling time on his career in the Italian team. One a bit more of a surprise, Simon Dessier deciding it's time to call it a day. For the French team. We're we'll looking back at two stellar careers there before turning our attentions to the races coming up, looking at the runners and riders and who may be the best bets for those races over in Oslo. Let me know your reactions to those retirements and your predictions for the races in Oslo, either on the Facebook page or at the Biathlon Podcast at gmail.com. So let's start things off with what is a little bit of breaking news here on the Biathlon Podcast. Obviously, you're listening to this uh, on Wednesday at least, uh, but I'm recording this on Tuesday evening. And in the last hour or so, Simon Dessier has taken to Instagram to announce that he is calling time on his career in the World Cup Biathlon field. Uh, Took to Instagram to say that it was time time for him to leave Biathlon after 10 years on the World Circuit. He wants to do something else. He's realised all the dreams he has, and it's time for him to enjoy his family, friends, and child. Uh, so pretty shocking stuff from Desio, who's really leaving as close to the top uh, as as he's really ever been. Uh, leaves just a year after taking the two uh, solo wins of his career. Uh, he obviously won in the sprint over in Novo Miesto, uh, as well as the, the mass start. At the end of the season last year over in Ostersund. Um, and overall, just a fantastic career. Uh, I think I'm very glad that he did manage to get those two wins in the end because he was very often sort of the the nearly man uh, in the same way that Phil Maillet often was uh, in those sort of Martin Foucault and Johannes Tingersbow years. Uh, we had a fair amount of podiums uh, from Dessia. Uh, I think there were eight world cup podiums uh, in between 2017 and 2020 before he got those wins um so really good to uh, really good to see him finally get to the top step of the podium and when he talks about realizing his dreams maybe uh maybe that's what he means he hung around for the one last olympics uh, but he's got those world cup wins in the bank uh, he got the the silver in the uh, the sprint over in the world championships last year in pokyuka um, so there really isn't much more uh, for Dessier to uh, to do, really. Um, if you're looking back at uh, at those wins, say the standout for me has to be that mass start victory over in Ostersend, uh, where he sort of uh, really clinically hunted down Eduard Lachapov on the last lap uh, to snatch victory away from the Russian. Um, well, he's had a few of those in recent times, if you think about the relay. Uh, but that was a great win for Dessier. The, the sprint win... Was sort of one of those unexpected wins that you that you get in sprints. But I feel like the mass start was uh, really stamped his authority against that. He was up against the best in the world. Johannes bow was on good form that day. Um but really I think I think it's fair to say that it was the relays where Desion Desir, sorry, uh really Sean. Yeah, gold in the mixed relay uh, back in Pyeongchang with Hubert, Bechon, and Fourcard. Uh, really showed his class there, no spares needed on that third leg uh, of the race. Then just the one spare needed in the Men's World Championship victory uh, in the relay back in Antolts, which maybe sort of really was the crowning achievement of this uh, French men's team, which really built up over the last 10 years. That was the race where Martin Fourcade sort of realised that he could leave the biathlon world in good hands, knowing that the likes of dessieux alongside Phil Maillet and Jacqueline Uh, Were there to uh, were there to carry on the great work that he'd started. Um, When you look back at it, though, podiums in over half of the relays he took part in. Just a really solid competitor, uh, especially in those relays. Um, And even though I've got to say I am pretty shocked by the announcement, Uh, he says he's completed all his goals, and and you'd have to agree, really. Uh, He's got world championship medals, he's got Olympic medals, he's got World Cup victories. There's not really much left in the biathlon world that he hasn't done, um, but looking at his recent stats, I do think that it's quite a quite a shock to see him leave. Uh, if you look just at the last five races, um, as real biathlon show, shooting 85% in the prone, he's shooting 90% in the stand. Uh, his forms really sort of in the in the stage where you look at it and think he could win any day, really. Uh, Recent performances, he's been in the top 10 in the Contiolati pursuit. Uh, He's been in the top 20 uh, sort of regularly this season. Um, Only one podium back in Ostersund in the individual very first race of the year. So maybe that sort of gave him the the push he needed. Maybe didn't do as well in Beijing as he might have hoped. Uh, Just the silver medal in the relay wasn't picked for the mixed relay. Um, So maybe he just decided that it was time to uh, to let it go. Obviously the French team he can leave in the knowledge really knowing that a lot of good young French talent is there ready to uh, to fill fill his place. We've got the likes of Eric Perrot, Emilien Claude of course as well, uh, coming up through the ranks there. Nonetheless though, I think uh, I think a pretty big shockwave uh, being sent throughout the uh, the badminton world there here that Dessieu has decided to call it a day. Not the only one to call it a day of course. I think the the other one may be a little bit less of a shock as Dominic Vindish also decided on Monday that he was going to uh, to call it a day as well, uh, saying that he's thought about it all season. Uh, he's very motivated, despite the uh, the fact over the last two years, of course, COVID, uh, it's been very difficult for everyone. And then he mentioned the decline he had in December, um, which he then overcame as the Olympics approached. And he's again, a bit like Dessier, said that he's achieved all of his athletic goals uh, so he realised that the time has come to call it a day. And Vindish, a bit like Desio, I think. They had sort of quite similar careers. Uh, two wins for both of them. Uh, Vindish is coming, of course, back in Cammore back at freezing uh, mass start, uh, where he took the victory there. And then his the second one in the uh, mass start in Ostersund, which uh, I had to uh, watch last night because I remembered it being crazy. I didn't quite remember just how crazy it was. Uh, you had... Granichev coming into that last shoot, uh, leading with Yohannes bow Goranicev missed four. Johannes missed five. Uh, did, I think Vindish actually came in... I don't even think he was in the top ten when he came into that final shoot. Um, but he managed to to take it home and take the win uh, ahead of Giganat and Eberhard, which, when you look back, was a, a pretty wild podium uh, for the uh, the World Championship mass start. I mean, those World Championships were just crazy all around. <laughs> Um, but what a race that was um, and probably the, the sort of the crowning achievement of Vinicius' career amazing race there but of course like Dessieu he's there's not much he hasn't done in the sport uh, he's won Olympic medals both individually and in relays uh, taking the sprint bronze uh, in Pyeongchang uh, that race that aren't won, for one and then in the relays as well I think sort of Almost defines why we have mixed relays, really, the Italian team of the last 10 years, uh, alongside Vera, Vitozzi, Lucas Hoffa, of course, um, getting bronze in Sochi, bronze in Pyeongchang in the uh, the race that Desio won, of course, there. Um, bronze in World Championships as well in Ostersund, getting that alongside the gold he got in the individual race. And you look at that Italian team and it's not a team that could really compete in the individual men's, uh, the men's relay or the women's relay. Um, but when you put them together, two, great, two greats on either side, Hoffer and, uh, and Vindish, of course, and Vitozzi alongside Vera, it's a team that could really compete for wins and medals uh, in the mixed relay. And when that first came around, people were pretty sort of sniffy about it, um, whereas now it's just a sort of accepted part of the uh, of the biathlon season. Uh, so Vindish... No, uh, no huge clues about what he was going to go on to do, but uh, he has stated that he doesn't intend to let go of biathlon. So I do wonder if we'll see him back in a coaching uh, capacity in the future. Uh, but two pretty big names uh, in, of the last sort of five ten years, uh, two names that were often in the top ten, uh, often often mixing it with the uh, with the greats of the sport. So shame to see. Uh, so that. We can add to uh, an ever-growing list of retirees, which uh, is sort of expected at the end of an Olympic cycle, but obviously now we've got Vindish, Dessue, Vega, Ada, Lesser, uh, all all leaving us from the uh, the men's side, and then uh, on the women's side, obviously, we've seen a lot of uh, Dunkley uh, calling it a day as well, so big, big names um, from the the last sort of recent history of biathlon leaving us. Uh, So yeah, big news in the biathlon world, but... uh, We won't look back with uh, misty eyes. We'll look forward to the final races of this World Cup season, which we've got headed our way from Oslo tomorrow with the women's sprint, the men's sprint on Friday, and then we've got pursuits on Saturday and mass starts on Sunday. It's Time to look at who are my best bets for those races, uh, which we'll do right now. So let's start things off with the women's sprint, the first race of the meeting, which happens on Thursday. And looking at the odds at the bookies, you can tell how far the sort of field is, uh, is crunched up at the moment because they do not know who is going to win this one. We've got seven women all really close in the odds. Marta alsby Roysland is your favourite, though, at 4-1, to one, with Elvira at 5, Denise Herman and Tyrell Eckhoff sharing third favourite at 6-1. to one. Justine Braisard Boucher at 10, and Hannah Roberg and Julius Simon at 12 to 1. And I think there are a sort of reasons that you can convince yourself to back all seven of those. But I do have some concerns. I, it does feel to me like Rosalind uh, like doesn't quite have that killer edge that she had while she was still chasing the Crystal Globe. Now that's pretty much in the bag. She just seems to have fallen off the pace and fallen off the uh, the shooting. Uh, skills a little bit, Uh, so I'm not sure I fancy Roisland for the win. Elvira does look tired. She doesn't quite have that ski speed that we saw from her throughout much of the season. Uh, Tirulakoff, I think, is going to be up there. She looks on much better form uh, than she has for most of the year, but I'm still not sure I fancy her to take the win. Uh, Meanwhile, Julia Simon, there is a slight question over injury. Uh, after she twisted her knee in the women's mass start in Ottawa. So then you're looking at, I think, Justine Brazard-Boucher, maybe Denise Herman uh, as the uh, as the favourites for the win. Brazard-Boucher, of course, by far the fastest woman in the field recently. Uh, last week's performances took her ahead of Elvira Erberg for the season's fastest athlete. And she's done well in Oslo before. She had two podiums there, no wins, though. Uh, So maybe this is a first time for the French woman. Obviously, shooting is the big question mark. Uh, Oslo, though, it's not the most difficult of ranges. In the last two sprints uh, on the women's side that we've had in Oslo, we had 20 women clear two years ago uh, and then 15 women uh, clear the year before that. So it's not the worst race in terms of shooting. My worry there with Braise Arboucher, though, is that neither was Otterpa, and she did struggle there. So it almost seems like the uh, the more difficult ranges are what suit Braise Arboucher. We saw that, of course, in the mass start over in Beijing. Uh, I think the more sensible bet with Braise Arboucher might be the 12-1 to 1 odds for her to be leading after the first shoot. If she can knock those first five targets down, then uh, you can... Be pretty sure that she's probably going to be one of the quickest women in the field um, if you don't fancy uh, the shooting prowess of Brésard Boucher then I think Denise Herman is the next best bet, she is at 6 to 1, uh, Brésard Boucher at 10 to 1 um, Herman really just finding the old ski form that we were used to uh, over the last 5 races, she's also shooting really well, uh, 85% on average over those last 5 races Um However, I think when we're looking at the sprint in particular, I'm maybe looking forward to the mass start for Herman. She's never won a mass start before, so this could be uh, the first time that she does that. I think she could be the woman to watch there. Those are my two sort of of, of the big favourites. I think if you're looking a little further down, Francisca Preutz uh, has come into her own, really. She's had terrible t- trouble with uh, with injuries. Um ever since uh, sort of the turn of the year. But she came really back to the points that we were hoping for at the start of the season um, over in Estonia. She's at 22 to 1, um, if you fancy her for the victory. My real outside long shot is a 100 to 1 bet. Um, So you might want to look at her more for a top 10, but it's Paulina Fjalkova. Um, really, really steady all season in terms of getting points, but she's only got the one top 10 so far this year. Um, I really was impressed with her over in Estonia though, in the mixed relay, uh, the anchor leg that she had there, she was skiing really, really well, faster even than Denise Herman. Uh, although I should put an asterisk on that because Herman was sort of skiing a little bit in no man's land. So maybe not the best comparison there, but Fialkov has been looking really impressive recently. And I do think she's got a chance to, uh, to get in and amongst the top 10, if not the top five. Uh, she will have to shoot clear, though. That's the big question, because uh, it's been over two years since she's had a clear shoot. That was back in RuPaul 2020. So that's either a big red flag or a sign that maybe she's due to break that duck and get herself a clear shoot in Oslo. Obviously, the pursuit, very hard to call. Um, but I think if she's within maybe 30 seconds, a minute, I think we should watch out for the elder of the Erberg sisters because Hannah is looking on pretty good form to me recently. The shooting speed is incredible. She's sort of overtaken uh, Dorothea Vera as the uh, the quickest shot in the field, getting some accuracy with that as well. The ski speed dropped off a lot in Beijing, but she is looking much better uh, on the skis recently. So I think as long as she's got a sniff of that lead, then Hannah Erberg could be the woman to watch on Saturday. When it comes to the Mass Start on Sunday, uh, final races, especially on the women's side, often throw up a lot of surprises or first-time winners uh, in the field. Uh, we had Tandrevold last year, of course, winning the Mass Start in Ostersund. Julius Simon uh, winning the Pursuit in Contiolati the year before that uh, with the season curtailed because of COVID. Uh, then we had Hannah Roberg the year before that, which you might not think that was so much of a surprise. She'd obviously had Olympic success, World Championship success as well. But that was her first ever World Cup win um, back in 2019. So I'm back in this to continue, and I'm choosing Vanessa Voigt of Germany to take that Mass Start victory on Sunday. She's really arrived in the last couple of months uh, in Beijing. She had that amazing fourth place. She was on the podium in Otterpa. Um And just going from strength to strength. Crazy to think that she wasn't even in the World Cup uh, squad at the start of the year. She was over in Obertiliak in Austria. Um, shooting on the IBU Cup stage. Um, So she's just come on leaps and bounds over the course of this season. And I'm really hoping that she can get herself a maiden victory. And I think that might come, as I say, on Sunday in the mass start. Uh, The big sort of battle in terms of uh, the Globes will be between Dorothea Vera and Elvira Erberg, though. They're going head-to-head for the mass start Crystal Globe. Just three points in it. Dorothea Vera with the advantage at the moment. She hasn't looked really up to her best recently, though, so I think Elvira might be the person to back for the Crystal Globe. Over on the men's side, things are a little bit more clear-cut in terms of the odds that you can find uh, for the sprint win. Kanton Firmier is the overwhelming favourite at 6-5 for victory on Friday. Uh, The only man that's in single figures chasing him is Sterla Holm Ligreed at 5-1, then you're going all the way to fifteen to one, uh, where Benny Dole and Sebastian Samuelson are third favourites. So I think it's fair to say that <laughs> Fiomai is uh, is the man to back here. It's hard to bet against him. He's won the last three World Cup sprints, uh, and the man who won the other sprint, uh, not World Cup, but in the Olympics, isn't running in Johannes bow. Um, bow. There are maybe some reasons that uh, that he might not be on top form though. He's all but wrapped up a sprint Crystal Globe. Um, so his rivals may be able to take a little bit of heart from that, that maybe the motivation won't be quite as strong as it has been. Um, I think that might be wishful thinking, though, because he just looks imperious in the sprints. Uh, it's very, very tough to bet against him. Um, if you do want to, though, it's quite hard to see who would be the best person to back. Stellaholm, I agree, obviously looked good in Ottawa, but his shooting has been pretty wild recently. Uh, we've gone over that on this podcast. Benny Dole at 15-1 to 1 is skiing very well. Uh, he was within 10 seconds of Phil in Otterpa. Uh, Ligrid, the only other man to do that. But Maybe it's sort of uh, the the doll of a few years ago I'm thinking of, but it's sometimes you just don't trust him on the range either. Samuelson's ski speed is, uh, has gone pretty much uh, not off a cliff, but it's not where we'd hope it would be. Poncioloma's ski speed's good, but he's missing the targets. Uh, so then I think the person to back, as I'm looking down these odds, might be Emilean Jacqueline. Uh, his sort of recent woes in various races mean that he's all the way down at 17 to 1 for the victory. Uh, so this could be the perfect time to put some money on the Frenchman, uh, buy that stock while it's low. Speed, obviously, is still there. And maybe if someone could just have a word in his ear, if one of the coaches can just calm that first lap down just a couple of percent and I think he could be the man to watch uh, for the victory. Also, I think something in his favour is that the pressure of... St- st- he might have been a long shot, but he has been in with a chance of taking the overall crystal globe. That pressure is now off his shoulders, with Filme obviously taking that victory over in Estonia. And maybe that works in Jacqueline's favour, um, just taking a little bit of the pressure off of his shoulders. Um Meanwhile, there is a very interesting battle going on in the overall, just behind Jacqueline, between Vecisorshag Christensen and Sebastian Samuelsson. The Norwegians just two points behind the Swede, Uh, so that's going to be very interesting to watch. Obviously, Christensen is the man in form at the moment. Um, There's also a chance that they could catch Jacqueline for second uh, if he's off, maybe off form as well in terms of a long shot though someone that i think is uh, really oddly priced is johannes kern all the way down at 40 to 1 to take the sprint victory i've been waxing lyrical about how well kern's been racing uh, how he's been pacing his sprints specifically and he's you know he's on pretty good ski speed as well he was sixth fastest in the autopress sprint uh, he's 12th in the world at the moment in the overall but he can easily vault himself into the top 10 with a couple of good results so i think that the sort of uh, the motivation is going to be strong for Kern at the moment. He's 22 points off ninth place, uh, which is Johannes Tingler's bow. So he's going to get past bow. Uh, he just needs to get past uh, Sepala and or um ahead of him to get into the top 10. So watch out for Johannes Kern. 40 to one, maybe for the win, that might be wishful thinking. But he's won sprint this year before, obviously, uh, over in Austria. So he definitely uh, could do that again. He's on good form. Johannes Kern, I think, is a good pick there at forty to one. In terms of the pursuit, it's you know it's going to be a crapshoot shoot based on the sprint. But someone I'm going to be watching out for is Eric Lesser of Germany. He's uh, come out fighting in terms of uh, what he's been saying before the World Cup. Uh, he said he's currently in the top five of the pursuit World Cup and he wants to confirm that position. Uh, but it will depend on his result in the sprint. He said he doesn't want to just be silly. Uh, He doesn't want it to be a game or do anything for fun. He's there to fight for the podium. Uh, So Eric Lesser's, you know, he's backing himself here. He's at 33 to one for the sprint. And his ski speed is as good as it's been in years. Uh, He's up in the uh, the top five in terms of ski speed, top 10, sorry, in terms of ski speed. I think maybe the pursuit as well. I think Lesser thrives in that sort of head-to-head battle a little more than he does in the sprints. Um... I like him here for a, at least a podium in the pursuit as long as he gives himself a chance uh, on Friday. In terms of the mass start, Theo May is in the driving seat when it comes to the Crystal Globe. But he's just 15 points ahead of Christensen, 19 points ahead of Dole and 20 points ahead of Backham. So we could have a really, really good fight for the Crystal Globe on the last day there. Again, always going to be tough to back uh, anyone other than Phil but Christensen is the man in form at the moment. He looked, He's looked deadly in the final shoots recently, obviously in the relay over in Beijing, in the uh, the mass start over in uh, Estonia last weekend. So Christensen could be the man to watch in the mass start, I think. Benny Dole, I'm not sure he can hang with them. Bakken might be the dark horse. There was a moment in that mass start uh, where we had Phil Maier chasing Christensen, but it just looked like Bakken was catching the Frenchman. Uh, his ski speed's definitely improving week on week, and so Bakken could be a little bit of a dark horse in the same way as I was saying you get these shock results in the final races. We saw Dessieux winning that we've already mentioned uh, last year. Maybe Sivert Bakken could be uh, could be the danger man there. If you want to go for the complete other end of the uh, the spectrum in terms of age, Taya bow. Shooting extremely well over in Estonia, just didn't have the ski form. He was about thirty seconds off the pace, but he w- did have that illness. He's skiing himself back into form, and he could be uh, could be a man to watch. He's at thirty three to one, just like Eric Lesser is for the sprint. So those are my uh, those are my sort of men and women to watch in the final races of the year. Let me know what you think on the Facebook page uh, or over on the uh, the Gmail address. There, uh, I'll be back with you after that to. Uh, Recap everything that happens over in Oslo. And then I think we'll also have some, uh, some postseason season uh, shows, maybe looking at uh, those who are retiring um, and those who've had particularly good seasons. Uh, so I'll see you after all the action is done. And I hope you enjoy all of those races over in Oslo.